join us here on the red carpet for tonight's Museum of the Year Awards. Well, <laughs> I say red carpet, it's actually more of a dusty maroon. It's really so great to see so many people from the world of museums here tonight. Mickey! Thanks, Diesel. Yep, these awards really are the best and indeed only event in the Museum Award calendar. Everyone who is anyone in the museum slash attraction world is here tonight, desperate to get their hands on a musee. Youch! For those of you at home, it's a 30 centimeter high gold statue in the shape of Simon Sharma's wobbly face. Yes, indeed. Glamour-tastic. And here come the guys from the British Museum. They're obviously in a confident mood. You can hear them taunting the Greek ambassador. Marbles, oh, we've got your marbles. Oh. <laughs> Lovely stuff. Oh, and I think now, climbing out of their limo, we have the team from Chessington World of Adventures. <laughs> That's right, and they'll be keeping their fingers crossed for overpriced tourist trap of the year. Yep. <laughs> but can I just say, Mickey, what a great venue the organizers have chosen for this year's Muses. They've thrown open the unbelievably large doors, dusted off the innumerable Formica tables, and got an infinite number of monkeys taking the drinks orders. So it looks like we're in for a great night here at the Museum of Everything! The Museum of Everything! Alright, cheers then, thanks then, cheers. Okay, welcome to the museum. I am one of your guides, hence the hat. Obviously, much of the museum is given over to the Museum of the Year Awards function we're hosting today. I have been hoping for a Best Guide Award, but not only was I not nominated, the category doesn't even exist. So, a double snub for me there. <laughs> Two layers of hurt. Um, sorry, you usually speak with the public like this, do you? Oh, yes, all part of being the best guide you can be, nominated or otherwise. This is Mr. Thomas, everyone. Hello. The new guide here at the museum. He used to work at the Ashmolean in Oxford. <laughs> yes. I was headhunted, actually. He's actually a replacement for my old friend, George, <laughs> who was laid off in what the Museum Workers' Union called an unnecessary swathe of redundancies. Yes. It was only George who left, wasn't it? A swathe, yes. A swathe involving my old friend George. Who had been caught with his hand in the till, had he not? He had, yes, but not attempting a theft. He simply got it caught in the till in an accident in the workplace, and we are awaiting a no-win-no-fee pay of up to 70 pounds. Mm. <laughs> now, I have been asked to inform you to keep your ticket stubs, folks as there is a discount voucher which can be redeemed at one of the museum's franchised eateries. Oh, heavens, this is awful. 40 pence off the £12 happy hot dog combo in which you get a metre-long hot dog on a six-inch flower bat with your choice of sources. <laughs> Yellow or red. We used to do footlongs, but we have been forced to go metric now, so a metre of boiled meat is what we do, and a metre of boiled meat is what you get. 
goodness, my service at the Ashmolean was rather different from all this. Oh, did they not do a discounted 100-centimeter tube of port with a choice of soft drink? No. Uh, tell me, was there a gift shop where you worked before? Not as such, no. There is a bit of one here. It covers floors 2, 3, 9, 12, ground floor, basement, and most of car park 3. Mm. Oh, how wonderful. Now, ladies and gentlemen, do peruse the exhibits, and I would ask you to try and remember that a museum is a place of learning. There is a temporary climbing wall in the main lobby, so enjoy that. A, a place where many come for quiet reflection. Gift shops doing new Jurassic yo-yos that roar when you spin them in a David Blaine snow globe. This is an education centre. Just shake it and the little bugger floats about in a load of snow. What's the point? Animatronic roaring T-Rexes and Jurassic fudge this wet. And the winner is... The Crayon Museum. And to collect the award is the Crayon Museum's curator, Alan Standish. Yes! Yes! Alan, would you like to say a few words? Yes! Oh, this is for the Crayon fans. Woo! And, uh, yeah, and I like to say to the guys, the guys at World of Pencils, in your face! In your face! Suck on this! We've got a musie! You haven't! Kiss my crayon! Who wants to drink again, Alan? Oh, yeah, here it comes, yeah. Retract your lead, pencil boy. Back in the pencil case. The public has spoken. They want crayons! Or at least the history of crayons. The, oh, just like I said, this one is... Um, it's one for all the crayon visionaries out there. Um, too many to mention. Uh, Mr. Crayola, obviously. Um, big up to my son's nursery uh, for lending us the crayons. And, um, and to all the young kids trying to make it in crayon curating. Um, keep it real. Keep it waxy. In your face, water pencils! In your face! Right, settle down, lad. Settle down, please. Come on. What's the news, Bill? I'll be straight with you. It's not good. I've, I've just come out of the meeting with management and... Uh, Spit it out, Bill. Management feel that in the current climate, it is no longer economically viable. Are they shutting us down or what? Aye, lads, it's, it's what we feared. It's closure. Oh, I don't believe Oh, come on. As of October this year, Lanark Hall Heritage Centre and Museum of Coal Mining will be shutting its doors. <laughs> How are we supposed to put food on table if they take away our regionally specific industrial history tourist industry? Management says there'll be lots of jobs for everyone when the new place opens. What new place, eh? What are they replacing our coal mine heritage centre with? A coal mine. A what? <laughs> They're opening up the mine again. Coal prices have risen in the last few years and, and management reckons they can make more money from a working coal mine than from showing people what it must have been like in a working coal mine. Oh, I, and what are we supposed to do? I've been a tour guide all my life. Man and boy, Bill. I don't have another trade. And it's not just the Heritage Centre, Bill. Close this place and you'll rip the heart out of our community. Oh, the gift shop will have to close. You know that, don't you? Not necessarily. Come on. Come off it, Bill. You know as well as I do. Without a properly funded local history museum, traditional crafts like selling Harry Potter-themed plastic coal paperweights, they'll die out. You can't fight progress, lads. That's the end of the matter. We're not going to stand for this, Bill. 
They can't just throw us on scrap heap like a pile of badly printed guidebooks. Aye. Management have pushed us too far this time. Aye. Refusing time and a half for bank holidays was one thing. Aye. Restricted staff car parking was bad enough. But now this. They're taking novelty coal-flavoured fudge out of our children's mouths. Aye. Brother Hodges, get out the velvet rope and rope off the ticket desk. Aye. Brother Arkwright, phones at National Industrial Action Museum, so if we can borrow some of their replica placards. We are going to show management what it might have been like during an authentic coal miners' strike. Strike! 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 strike. 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 And the winner of most novel novelty pencil sharpener goes once again to the Michael Douglas Film Institute for It's Sharon Stone in Basic Instinct. Right. following me into the dining room. Now, I'm sure many of you will be gazing at the dining table, wondering how you could fit it in the pocket of a shell suit. Well, you couldn't, unless the shell suit was the size of a small yacht. So the fat American couple at the back, stay where I can see you. You can't actually fit 46 guests around this table, more if they're seated. It was originally made of walnut, not the wood, the actual nuts themselves. That was until the Great Squirrel Incident of 1952. And you can see the head of the nibbling little scoundrel on the wall above the fireplace. Oh, and some on the ceiling as well. My uncle was a poor shot with a rifle, but a veritable ninja with a croquet mallet. Particularly when my father held the target down for him. Please, for our betrack-suited friends at the front there, keep your fingers to yourselves. This is a stately home, not the pick mix at the Woolworths. <laughs> Dear, doing the guided tour again, eh? Ah, speaking of small bores, this is my wheelchair-bound husband, Jeffrey. Hello. Yes, he's in a wheelchair. Don't stare. Push. Put him against the wall or something. Oh, oh, dear. Now, now, dear, uh, no, I did actually have some good anyway, news. Anyway, the table is now made from wood, as you can see. It is 24 feet in length, but can be extended to 86 feet with all of the leaves. Anything less than that is just not practical, what with Jeffrey being such unbearably ghastly company. Poor man's in a wheelchair. I never know where to look. It, 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 it's been a while since we filled that table, hasn't it, dear? Uh, did anyone hear anything then? Drab noise? Somewhat like the dull droning of a bankrupt Lloyd's insurance name? No? Good. There was actually a very boozy lunch we had in 1989 when, if memory serves, we tipped the table up on a 40-degree angle and had bets on Jeffrey's rate of descent. <laughs> I won nearly eight pounds, which we put towards the cost of replacing the Renoir that Jeffrey rather carelessly hurtled through on drop number seven. <laughs> the table also played host to the longest ever game of shove hapney in which my father lost his nanny to the Duchess of Woking. <laughs> right, uh, following the... Oh! Who's laid a finger mark on the French polish? Come on! Who was it? Oh, you ghastly people. Jeffrey, do something. You really are the most useless excuse for a husband. We've won the lottery. I cannot bear it any longer, Jeffrey. I want the... What did you say? We've won the lottery, dear. Uh, Twenty-three million pounds. I'd have, I'd have told you sooner, but you, you had me wheeled into the corner again. So we don't actually need the National Trust now. I mean, we can tell English heritage that the Grange is ours once more. Yes, dear. I, I thought you'd be pleased. Ladies and gentlemen, the next part of the tour is a rather special one that I like to call the door. 
Now get out of my house. Go and never come here again. You filthy, light-fingered, voyeuristic, chavvy, perverted, thieving, ugly, tracksuit-wearing, penny-pinching, dull scum. <laughs> yes, hello. Uh, yes, Bagshot Grange. Yes. Sorry? Who? Lloyds. Oh. Yes, I, yes, I see. Um, when? Right. All of it. Right. Yes. Yes, 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 unlimited liability, yes, that, that's, that's what I signed up for, yes, 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 I see. Okay, thank you, bye. Now get out and stare! Now, dear, the, the funniest thing has happened, um, that was at Lloyd's insurance brokers, you really will laugh when you hear what's happened, um, it seems some sort of, uh, big boat has gone down and uh, we owe them a little bit of money again, um, Twenty-three million pounds, as it happens. <laughs> right, coming back in and oh. following me, please. You people there, lift Jeffrey onto the table, but and you no, others, I... grab the end and lift it as high as you can. How fast will he go? Bless your bets. No. <laughs> Dad, can I go on a roller coaster? Of course, Timmy. That's the whole point of being at a theme park. Insanely dangerous rides. Oh, no, you two. Last time you both came back petrified and covered in vomit. Ha, at least it was mostly ours that time. <laughs> no, I want you to go on a nice, safe family ride. Oh, oh. Mom! If your little ones are too small or too afraid for the big roller coasters, then hitch a ride on Captain Bubbles' butterfly teacups. <laughs> Come aboard, kids! It's gently fun! All the way! Sedately rotate at speeds dictated by the EU Commission for Safety. Glide past Teddy Bear Cottage. Hello, kids! And climb ever so slightly on the country's least steep slope. Ooh. Before... Feet straight down in a hidden drop into a pit of pre-angered snakes, then rocket back up at high popping speeds, leaving your lunch and some of your fellow passengers behind. Before finally being ejected into evil Captain Bubbles' pit of specially broken milk bottles. Your fools! Your fasting fools! I'm so excited, and I want to ride it. Voted the most dangerously deceptive ride outside of Professor Friendly's abattoir roundabout. So, are you ready to ride the butterfly teacups of death? Captain Bubble is not a real captain. He retains the right to not disclose any previous convictions or what he was up to between 1939 and 1945. Okay, okay, okay. So, first thing to say is all ideas are welcome, okay? Think blue sky, yeah? Put it Yeah, not in here, my friend, okay? In here, we are outside the box. Still definitely riding out there, though. So what do people see when they come to the museum, okay? Yeah? Is it exhibits? Yes, yes, exhibits. But how do people see them, yeah? Mm, by coming into the museum. Absolutely good. Okay, but why? To get out of the ride. Yeah. <laughs> okay, look, good. But let's open this up a bit, people, yeah? The museum is full of things that people want to see. And it's your job to... Put them in display cases. <laughs> yes, good, yes. But why display cases, okay? To get them out of the rain. Mm. Okay, good. Put stuff on that. Good. I suppose what I'm after here is to try and get you to think about what might happen if you didn't put things in display cases, yeah? 
We'd, we'd get, get fired. fired. No, 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 no. Not in here. This is a safe place where you can suggest anything, come up with any idea at all, okay? I want you to think outside of the box, literally, okay? How could we show people what the museum has to offer but not include putting it in a glass-fronted, overlit display case, yeah? We could put it on the floor. Yes, yes. That's good, okay? Free the exhibit. Put it on the floor. Let the people get close. Interact. Good suggestion, Sean. You could put it on a table. Again, nice work. <laughs> High five. Never mind. So, on the table and on the floor. That's good, guys. Nice. Keep it going. Free your minds. On a chair. Yes, good, although we are already at tables, so in a way... On a stool. <laughs> or... No, that's it, no. How about putting it in a box? OK, yeah, keep going. Uh, well, you could put a small hole in it and people could look in. Oh, clever, yeah, voyeuristic, exclusive. OK, I'm liking this. This is nice now, OK? We're really cooking here, yeah? A wooden box. Ooh, ouch, old-fashioned, retro idea. Nice thinking, Sean. So, we have a wooden box with a hole in. If people look in the hole, they see the exhibit. How are you going to light it? Well, strip light's good and bright. People could see it then. Yes, yes. OK. You know what we could do? Hit me, Joanne. Put glass sides on the box. Yeah. Because <laughs> then several people could see in it at okay, once. Okay, yes, I've got this. A wooden box with glass sides and a bright strip like Good session, guys. Nice work. This is going to blow people's mind. Bam! Wait till they see this. Display case be gone. Make way for the glass-sided viewing container. Yeah! <laughs> I'd like to thank my mum and uh, everyone, just everyone who supported us over the years. But uh, most of all, uh, I'd like to dedicate this award to uh, Adolf Hitler. Um, now, I know, I know he gets a lot of stick, but um, without him, uh, the Imperial War Museum would not be half as successful <laughs> or half as full as we are now. So, um, on behalf of all of us at the Imperial War Museum, thanks for starting the war, big guy. <laughs> Good evening and welcome to another head-to-head, face-to-face Q&A here at the Museum of Everything Film Institute. <laughs> Just quickly, if anyone has applied for tickets to next week's IMAX screening of The Last Tango in Paris, you should be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> and of course, that event is sponsored, as usual, by Utterly Butterly, but... <laughs> Under discussion tonight is one of my favourite types of film. The film type that is foreign films. Joining me to discuss foreign films is foreign film maker of foreign films, Antonin Guimero. Antonin, hello. Hello. Antonin, can I begin by congratulating you, and indeed all foreign people, on foreign films? <laughs> They're great. Well, speaking as a foreign person... Thank you. Yes, I can't help but notice you don't sound very foreign. That's because I'm dubbed. Uh, Miriam Margulies is doing my voice. Oh, I see. <laughs> because I was going to say, I mean, you don't have a ridiculous foreign accent. You just sound perfectly normal. Uh, you know, normal accent like mine. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't understand a word of that. Now, Antonin, if we may move on to your latest foreign film. It's a moving study of a recently widowed cellist who embarks on a tragic love affair with a dead husband's brother who owns an antique shop and then one of them gets run over. I'm guessing here, of course, I haven't seen this particular foreign film. No, that's pretty much it, except uh, he's the cellist and she owns the antique shop. Brilliant, lovely twist, very clever. (laughs) 
I'd say it's definitely in the running for a foreign language Oscar this year. Well, we like to make sure there are only three foreign films made a year, so we all get a look in at the Oscar nomination. Very wise, and I'm sure what fans of foreign films, of their intensity, of their integrity, of their originality, I'm sure what they'll be wanting to know is, does the woman spend most of her time in the nuddy? <laughs> I must say, Tom. Must you? Yes. I must say that this is always a bit of a puzzle to me. Why so many non-foreign people think that all foreign films have gratuitous nudity in them? I don't go around assuming that all American films have either Owen or Luke Wilson in them. Yeah, they do, though. <laughs> yes, I think it's contractual. But my point is, my latest film, for instance, has no gratuitous nudity. So there's no nuddy scenes? Oh, no, there are lots of nuddy scenes. Thank goodness. But it's all integral to the plot. Mm. The cellist is also a painter, and the woman is Emmanuel Bayard. So it's vital that there is boobage quite early on. Mm. Well, I'll certainly be rushing out to see it. Any final words on foreign film? Well, foreign films aren't just intense emotional dramas about recently widowed cellists or blind sculptors. We foreigners make lots of different types of films. Comedies, for instance. I'm a great fan of Jacques Tati. Oh, sorry, I had to punch you there. No, no, fair enough. Antonin Guilmero, thank you. And so, ladies and gentlemen, museum fans... One London dungeon... There's only one line of danger to souls. Settle down. Thanks, Diesel. And so we come to the final and most prestigious of tonight's awards. It is, of course, the Lifetime Achievement Award. The Lifetime Achievement Award. Oh, yeah. Celebrating what you've achieved in your lifetime with an award. Woo! <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Woo! Badoo-bidoo! Stop now. Ladies and gentlemen. Curators and curatees. Tonight's Museum of Everything Lifetime Achievement Award goes to... The creator of audio-visual displays, Sir Clive Audio-Visual Display! <laughs> Oh my goodness, well, thank you, what, what a wonderful surprise, thank you, I, I can't believe this, ooh, ooh rock and roll. <laughs> and so, the audio-visual display was born. Woo, great stuff, loving that, it's the shizzle. Yes, <laughs> indeed. It was Sir Clive who had the amazing insight to realise that museums would be more interesting if they featured a presentation with unnecessarily loud music, a laser show, and a voiceover from a little-known actor. <laughs> Sir Clive, do you remember this voice? Hello, everyone. Now, who is that? It's Alex Nash here. Oh, of course it is, yes. That's Hello. right, I played a smuggler in the BBC's Poldark and a deer in Monarch of the Glen. But I don't need to tell you that. Yes, you did. But more importantly, I've also been the voice of the audio-visual display at Wookie Hole Caves Visitor Centre for the last six years. <clears throat> Wookie Hole isn't just a cave. It's a world of mystery. Remember not to run. Caves can be dark and slippery. <laughs> That's good stuff. Sorry I can't be with you tonight, Sir Clive. I'm recording an Andy McNabb's audiobook in Ipswich. <laughs> Thanks, Alex. Oh, that was, 
Lovely. What a, what a great chap he is. Classic! Now, not many people know this, but when Sir Clive first thought of the audio-viz concept, he originally called them Looky Heary Displays. <laughs> yep, but then a certain someone suggested Sir Clive named them after himself. Sir Clive, do you remember this voice? Oh, hi, I'm Sheila, Sir Clive's wife. Sorry I can't be there tonight, Sir Clive. I'm washing my hair or something. Uh, hello, Sheila. <laughs> Terrible shame you can't be here. Are you at home, love? No, um, I'm in Ipswich. Ipswich? Coincidence. Alex Nash is there too, isn't he? Oh, uh, oh, is he? Oh! <laughs> Who are you talking to, Sheila? <laughs> Moving on, Sir Clive, do you remember this voice? I am Merlin. Since the dawn of time, man has dreamt of cheese, wicker, insurance, clogs, early farm tools, space, pedalos, war, hats, barometers, Bergerac, Brilliant, brilliant. Yes, I've, I've used an animatronic Merlin lots of times. Well, I say animatronic, it's often just a mannequin with a rubbish beard pulled along on a skateboard. But I soon <laughs> realised that I could inappropriately use King Arthur's famous wizard to provide an unnecessary, ominous, yet authoritative voiceover for just about anything. This is the story of grouting. Proving my point. Ladies and gentlemen, the winner of this year's Lifetime Achievement Awards, Sir Clive Audiovisual Display. Thank you. Thank you all so much. Thank you. Of course, it would be very easy just to accept this award and say, hey, that's it, you know, Lifetime Achieved, but I am still hungry. I have I, uh, some of those spattered prawns hidden in my pocket, if you like. No, not... It's a lovely thought, but I'm... No, I meant I'm still ambitious. I can see into the future, and I want to share it with you by telling you all about my new invention. <gasps> yes, you're right to gasp. Uh, this seemingly simple device can take any object and by instantly cross-checking its history on the Internet, turn it into a high-tech, audiovisual, holographic display. Uh, if I may uh, demonstrate, uh, madam? Oh, yes, sure, go ahead. A handbag, an ordinary handbag. Pop it in the machine and tap it in. There we go. And she's ready. There we go. Since the dawn of time, man has dreamt of a device to put things in on a night out with the girls. And so the handbag was born. But what greater tribute can we pay tonight than to get Sir Clive's own invention to create an audio-visual display about the man himself? Sir Clive... Audio... Uh, 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 no... Hyphen uh, visual hyphen display... No, uh, no. What, what are you doing? You, you, you fool, it'll loop... It'll break the audio-visual time continuum and create a display event horizon. Uh, oh no! Prepare for the quickening! I am Merlin! Since the dawn of time, man has dreamt of the dawn of time. And of man, and of how since the dawn of time, man, in his dreams, would display things both audibly and visually to other man and a woman called Dawn. Help me, I'm, I'm getting louder. I, I have lasers for eyes. My beard is melting. Gain not upon the face of pure display technology. Time and speed. 
Greece are rent asunder, and the future is all in now four dimensions. Audio visual, audio visual, audio visual, audio visual. Well, I think that went pretty well. Same time next year? Yes, sir! the Museum of Everything, written and performed by Marcus Brickstock, Danny Robbins and Dan Tetzel with Lucy Montgomery. Original music by Dominic Haslam and Ben Walker. The producer was Alex Walsh-Taylor.